0: Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Hello. I'm glad you guys are all here. Um, so it's uh, a whole day like today um, got me thinking. I love to be warm and at home and on my couch and under my blanket. You guys know the word, uh, the, the Danish word? I think it's called like hygge. It's H Y G G E. It's I think it's pronounced hygge. <laughs> but don't quote me on that. Um, it it means like basically this idea that like no matter how cold and dark it is outside, we're going to make like our home this cozy, comfortable space. It's like this lifestyle. Like if you walk into IKEA, you'll see it on the wall. It's Ikea. Um, It's like a lifestyle. So look, so you got comfy clothes, blankets, hot drinks, lots of candles, things like that. Um, anyway, so I was just thinking about that because, you know, as we're thinking about what a home is, that's one thing that like really helps me feel like I'm at home, um, is to have, uh, have that comfortable environment, Jimmy knows, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and things like that can, can help us feel at rest with the world, um, which, which is wonderful. But I think that I, and probably you too, can feel can begin to feel so comfortable with life as it is that it's easy to forget. Um, it's easy to forget that there's actually something more than just this life that we have here, right? So that's something that we're going to talk about here tonight. Um, but yeah, we forget that there's something to hope for. Um, we kind of just get used to the way things are and just think like that's, um, that's as good as, as it's going to get. And then uh, something happens like... Um, a 22-year-old man shooting three football players at UVA. Um, And we're reminded, like, okay, not everything is right with the world. I might feel comfortable in my space, but, like, the world is actually really broken and really um, really hard. And so we aren't – we're reminded, like, okay, we're not fully at home here, right? And we have these desires for something more um, that life can't give us right now. So I was trying to imagine, like, what that might look like for you, and I was thinking, like, maybe – Maybe it's that, I, that feeling that, like, even if you achieve all your career dreams, um, you won't actually, like, maybe you won't actually be happy. Or maybe that's, it's the way, like, you have these close relationships, but no one can actually really fully know you deeply. Maybe it's that desire to create something so useful or beautiful, and you have it in your head, and you just can't, like, get it, like, create it yourself. Um... And then, of course, you know, like I was talking about, like the grief of loss in the world around us, and like horror of war and illness, and the way that we're always like really confused about how we should be feeling about those things, all of that. So, I I like to suggest, <laughs> maybe it's not something new to you guys, but um, when we assume that this world is our our final home, that it should like fulfill all of our desires, we are believing a lie. Um, and scripture tells us that we have somewhere else that we're going. So um, some of the best news of the gospel is that God has always wanted to make us a home. He's always wanted to bring us home to live with him. And he won't let all of those things that are broken about the world and about ourselves to keep him from, keep us from that. Um, so he's got a good thing coming. And these two chapters, we're going to read some of it, not the whole thing. Um, they paint this like really beautiful, vivid picture with these symbols and everything um, that tells us the truth of what Christians can look forward to and so you know if you find yourself in that place of faith tonight, like this is hopefully a, a really encouraging message and passage for you to read um, and if you're you 're not really sure where you stand with God right now, I hope that this will give you a chance to think about what what might it be like if you um if you do believe so This is the hope of the Christian story. We have been talking about hope this whole semester, but like, this is a big one. Um, It's all hopeful, but this is really good. Um, This is the answer to all our deepest longings. Um, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. I'm going to quote him like three times tonight. Sorry. Um, He was talking about this hope that we have, and uh, this is just to get your, your minds going. So he said, indeed. I'm not going to do a British accent, but just imagine (laughs) who's saying this in a British accent. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. It turns out we don't need to scrape and scrounge to make this place our permanent home. We don't need to make mud pies, right? (laughs) Because God has already done everything needed and will restore this world and this life. It's like he's inviting us to this holiday, to this vacation, (laughs) except it's home. It's really home, right? Um, And it's good for us to hope for that, to cultivate that desire. So I hope that we can do that tonight. Um, Okay, so I've got three things, as usual. Um, What this new home will be like. And um, the new home that we see in the passage that God is making for us, um, it's going to have God's presence. It's going to be in God's place. And together with God's people, we'll have a purpose there. So presence, place, purpose. You guys got it. All right, so first, we're talk about God's presence um, as what makes it a home. So I'm going to read the first seven verses, and Nadia, I'm going to, later I might jump around a little bit, but if you just keep going forward, that should be the way to do it, yeah. All right, Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And he heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more; neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away." And he who is seated on the throne said, "Behold." I am making all things new. And he also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. So remember where we've come from in Revelation. So the author, John, it's got had all these visions, right? Um, it's it's kind of like a letter to the churches in the area. And the visions are of this great cosmic battle of God's forces against Satan's forces, right? And the most exciting part of that happened just recently, last chapter, um, when King Jesus just straight up wins, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Satan, death, in the pit, forever destroyed. Um, Nathan had this spoiler alert at the very beginning of our semester, like, spoiler alert, Jesus wins. (laughs) It just happened, guys. It's complete. And so now the Holy Spirit is showing John uh, and all of us that future that awaits us after evil and death are defeated once and for all. So it's like, and what's next, right? The story's not over. Um, And the central thread of this vision is that God has made a way to be with his people. So it's the presence of God that makes heaven Heavenly. (laughs) Get it? Okay. (laughs) So uh, I want to think about this word dwell because I think it's a really key. Maybe, uh, sorry, if you just go back one more. Sorry, I told you. told you wrong. There we go. Um, This word dwell is a really key concept here. So it says the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. Have you guys thought about, like, you might have heard this verse before, but have you, like, sat down and thought, like, wait, God is literally going to live with us. This is Yahweh, God, the Almighty One, right? The Creator, King of the heavens. Um, perfectly good, perfectly just. So holy that, like, anyone with sin, like, literally can't look at Him. Like, just kind of... So it doesn't seem plausible. <laughs> but we see from the Bible, from the whole scripture, that having an intimate relationship with God was always the plan. So, okay, so in the beginning i to go back. God created a good home, right, for his people, for his crowning creation, Adam and Eve. Um, and they had perfect fellowship with him. And so I love it. In Genesis, it says that God walks with them in the cool of the day. There wasn't any shame. There wasn't any pride or, or sin to keep them from just kind of basking in the delight of their father all day long. <laughs> um, their home was complete, right, because he was with them and they were with him. Um, but but then they listened to the voice of the deceiver, Satan, right? He's, he got, well, he presented an opportunity <laughs> for them to believe the lie that God was was holding back from them. Um, and and that, that close fellowship was broken. Home was broken. Suddenly there was shame and blaming um, and hiding and ultimately leaving of that home that God had made for them. And so, as you may know, <laughs> ever since then, the descendants of Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve um, have been running away from home. We've all been running away from home, right? From God. Um, and, and I would I would say that those those longings that we have that I talked about before are at our core is that longing to return home to God, um, to that relationship. But if infinitely more so, like God is longing to have us back. So, like, our desires are weak, right? His are infinitely stronger um, to have us back with him. And so, in his goodness, in the Old Testament, we see all these ways that he's making a way for his people to be with him, despite their sin. Um, And it wasn't until God came to earth (laughs) that the way home was really, really revealed. Because Jesus, who is fully God, fully man, was willing to be rejected by his Father on the cross and die the death that we deserved And those barriers came down, right? When Jesus died on the cross, this really interesting thing thing happened. It says that in the temple in Jerusalem, the curtain which walled off the most holy place where God's presence was, ripped in two. And so we take from that that if you are in Christ, if you know him, then you have access to God like never before. So that's all backstory, right? (laughs) Here in Revelation, this vision shows us that The creator king has brought his people home to be with him in safety and proximity and love. God himself will be with us. Like, what? This presence is the deepest kind of intimacy. One that we couldn't imagine having with God if he didn't tell us about it. (laughs) Right? We wouldn't even think that it could happen. Um, So there's two analogies here um, to talk about the relationship that we're going to have in full with God. We have a little. We have some now, but we'll have in full then. So first, it's a bride and her husband, and the second is a son and his father. So I'm not going to go into depth into depth on those, but just thinking generally, um, when those two types of relationships are healthy, like in human relationships, right? They are ones of delight and joy, right? Um, pleasure and knowing, like deep knowing, and sacrificial love and empowerment and gentleness and safety Um, and so I think when we think about those things in our relationship with God we can say like we're gonna be completely provided for and known and delighted in forever Um, so just the closest relationship you can imagine my brain is breaking a little bit even just trying to think about it but um, one of my favorite lines here he will wipe away every tear from their eyes this is the kind of presence that comes in close You know, you can't wipe away a tear from across the room. This is the kind of presence that says, like, I know. I know that you've been hurt. I know that what you've lost and who you've lost, right? I know that you've messed up, and I know that you've thought that, like, you were a lost cause. But that's over now. Making it all new. (laughs) So what comes to mind like when you think of these this newness that God's gonna provide, his presence, like what do you need him to make new? Like in you or in the world around you? Um, your your tears and your pain matter. Though he's he, he is with us now, right? He's with us now in our tears in our pain. But like we have this I don't know, we have this just amazing picture into that full relationship that he's going to be able to make all of those things that were wrong um be redeemed and be new so we're never gonna wonder like is god with me (laughs) he's gonna be with us like we're never gonna have to wonder about that so god's presence is what makes heaven a home because he's our home um and that's that's if you don't take away anything else take away (laughs) um God will be with us. So secondly, this passage shows us that God provides a place for eternal home. A lot of it talks about this, actually. Um, So at the end of the last passage I read, it said that, it talks about a heritage that will be given as the children of God. And so this heritage, this place, this inheritance, it's really good. It's, like, super good. (laughs) Um, We don't get a ton of detail, so, like, we don't, we can't say exactly what, the new heavens and the new earth will be like for us, what, what we'll experience. Um, but we have these amazing visions, we have these symbols, and we can take away some things. But basically, like, it's going to be amazing. Um, and so this is part of what he's making new. And not new in the sense that he's, uh, he's scrapping the old earth and burning it up and creating something completely new out of nothing. Um, but the way that, like, Revelation talks about, like, the Old Testament and bringing in things like that, and then other passages in Scripture we can infer that God is is remodeling <laughs> right he's not starting over he's taking what he's already made and he's making it fresh and new rid of everything that was wrong with it um there's this guy albert walters he said God does not make junk and he does not junk what he made so <laughs> i always sticks in my head i'm like God doesn't make junk yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so let me read sections of this. I'm going to skip around a little bit, but we're going to start. I underlined the parts. Well, most of it. We're gonna start with nine. Yeah. Then came one of the seven pl- angels, who had seven bowls for the seven last plagues, call back to chapter 15, um, <laughs> and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a high great mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and on the gates the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies foursquare, its length the same as, as its width. The wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. And I saw no temple in the city, verse 22. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Skipping to 27. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Okay. That's a lot of words. Okay, so this long description. Um and some parts that I just kind of skipped over that hopefully you guys can look at in the Bible there. Um it's describing a city, it's describing a place. But it says that the place is the bride of Christ. So keep that in mind. Like as we're talking about a place, um it's it's kind of the people and the place are kind of all (laughs) mixed up in the same symbol. So Um so what is this place like? Um so based on these two analogies, we have a city and a garden or a garden city or a city with a garden, I'm not really sure. Um there are a few things that we can pull out to think about like what this place will be like for us. So we know it's gonna be glorious. You know it's gonna be a place of unity, um, it'll be free from sin and evil, and it will be characterized by abundance and flourishing. So it's glorious. Um look at eleven to twenty-three. If you have, if you have it in front of you, Um, so there's lots of descriptions, right, of jewels and precious metals like gold and crystals and huge pearls the size of a gate and things like that, and so all these beautiful things, the most beautiful things, um, is saying that just just like the people of God will be adorned and beautiful in in the the righteousness that God gives us, so the place of God will be a a place of beauty. Um, John sums it all up. He says, the city has the glory of God. Something that all these, these features are trying to highlight. So it's dazzling. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> it's the best of the beauty of the earth all in one place. We also know that it has the glory of God because of the way it says the city is like sh- shaped or measured, um, which it's a perfect square, right? And so this calls back to the worship uh, of the, the Israelites in the temple back in the Old Testament, which God had told them to make this place for him. And it's a very special, perfectly square room in the like center of the temple called the Most Holy Place, I mentioned it earlier, where um, God chose to be. <laughs> um, and I think it was like a pillar of cloud, fire, something like that. Um, and so only one guy, one priest, once a year <laughs> could go in there, and he, they weren't even sure if he would come out. Um, They would like tie a thing to his ankle Um, and so this is a very like mediated like separate way of being in God's presence so here we have like the whole city the whole place of God is a perfect square it's it's calling back to this idea of like God's presence is no longer contained, Um, it's spilling over, it's because the people are now holy, they can actually be in God's presence and so this glory isn't just in the temple, it's in the whole city um, many, yeah, so many people would, would say that, many commentators would say that. Um, there's, you know, there's no special place to go to be with God anymore. Um, so glory, glorious, it's also a place of unity um, between believers. So I, I like that it talks about like 12 foundations, which are um, the 12 apostles of Jesus. So you've got these New Testament believers, and then you have um, the 12 gates, which are the 12 tribes of Israel, the Old Testament believers. And I think what it's trying to, well, I don't just think this. I also read this in the commentary. But <laughs> this is symbolizing the fact that we have this unity between believers who were previously divided, right? So in God's new home for us, we have these these factions and these things that separated us from other believers are no longer do so. We have this complete, like, unity in Christ. Um, another comforting part of this vision is that there's no danger. <laughs> there's no danger of anything ruining it um, or making it unsafe or making it corrupt. So it's especially in like one eight and 21.27 that talks about this. Um, this is nothing detestable, nothing unclean, nothing false can ever enter it. So in other words, there's no chance that a certain slithering serpent will come up to a daughter of Eve and <laughs> tempt her to turn away from God, right? There's not, there's not a chance that that's going to happen. Um, this is a place for the redeemed ones who have trusted in Christ, who have accepted that free gift of salvation, and sin-free, man. It's totally sin-free <laughs> um, and will be forever. It's also free from the effects of sin, right? Like um, like abuse, a de- debilitating illness, um, Fear, inequity, grief, indifference, struggle, mental illness, hate, all of those things, and death especially, right? It's free from the effects. And so it's safe. This place is going to be a safe place and f- will be forever. And then finally, this place that God will give us is characterized by abundance and fruitfulness, which is kind of where the garden, the garden analogy comes in. Um, at the beginning of tw- chapter 22, um, this is John's garden, anal- garden vision, I guess. Um, flowing with the water of life, you know, you're bursting with the tree of life. It's just like all up and down the river. Um, the tree gives abundant fruit all year round. And so it's a place of healing, of joy, of cultivation. Like things are just bursting, like with growth, right? Um, almo- almost like a certain garden back in back in genesis right <laughs> um eden maybe you could call this eden 2.0 um eden plus i don't know <laughs> in the garden of eden the the tree of life was taken away from adam and eve because when they sinned god didn't want them to stay alive forever in that sin right so it was a, it was a protection measure um, before he could redeem humanity and so this vision in in revelation shows us like hey eat from the tree of life all you want like this is now yours um that we're internal creatures, and God wants to enjoy eternity with us. So um, I was thinking about what this means for us and thinking about something that Jesus said um, when he was with his best friends, his disciples, the night before he died. So he was in, like, the upper room, and um, he had just told them that he was going to, like, suffer and die. And so they're pretty disturbed by that. But he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. Though I am, you may be also. He's saying, like, yeah, I'm going away, but I'm making it ready for you. Um, and if you if you're a believer, then, like, you've been adopted into God's family. Jesus is your older brother. <laughs> and, you know, in that time, the oldest brother got all the inheritance, right, or most of it. So he's the one who has the inheritance, and he is bringing you into it. He's sharing it with you. This place that God has for us is, is for you, too. So how encouraging it is to think that, like, even though we aren't there yet, Jesus has gone ahead of us to make it ready. Um, he, died, he, ascended, or he died, rose again, ascended into heaven, and we can have hope that he will come back. So to take us to where he is. To this perfect place. Um, if you guys were here last week you might remember Kathleen was talking about her story of faith and a lot of what she talked about was her family's legacy and um, it really struck me that the faith that they needed to come here from Guatemala and to kind of like start fresh um, to make a home for their children to grow up and this is why we know Kathleen because she her parents did that right and so and this is true of many people who, who come to America, right? They have one person that comes over. They'll often pick, get a job, kind of make, begin to make a home here, and then call for their family to come. So don't hear me saying that America is heaven, because it's, really, <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> but I think it's a cool picture to think about Jesus as our older brother, having finished the work that is needed for us to come to him. And now he has this place prepared for us. Um, we 're just not there quite yet <laughs> um, okay, so we're learning about this home through this passage we 're learning about god's presence and god 's place um, and now we're going to think about god 's purpose for us in this in this place so what did you guys think about heaven when you were a kid like I uh, if I wasn't recording this, I would actually get your answers, but I feel like it would just disrupt the recording a little bit too much. But you can tell me after. Um, I definitely thought what, and maybe this is something that, ha- you know, not just a kid, not just kids think this, but as a kid, I definitely pictured heaven as just like a really long church service, and that was not exciting to me because my church had really like uncomfortable pews, and I was just like, it doesn't sound great. Um, and I think that in this passage. It kind of counteracts that idea that, like, I'm just going to get bored worshiping God all the time, all the time. Um, I'm going to unpack that in a second. But we have a reminder of our purpose, and it's distinctly not boring, I would say. Um, So let me read the end of 21 and the beginning of 22, chapter 22. Um, I think I have it on, yeah, it should be good. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more, and they will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Once again, going back to the first book of the Bible, uh, we see that God gave his first man and woman a very important task. He said for them to explore the world, to cultivate it, to rule over it and steward it, and to be his representatives over the rest of creation. And here, we see humanity taking up that task again, except perfectly, right? Um, it says we're, we're raining, like literally, like the word rain is there. (laughs) We're going to rain over this renewed earth. And, and what will that look like? I don't really know. So yeah, not sure. Um, but it sounds like we'll be continuing to explore God's, God's created world in even greater depth and even greater success than we ever could have had in this broken world. So if any of you guys are, I know some of you are scientists, some of you study the classics, some of you study business. Other things, um, I don't know, Nathan talked about this last semester, and talked about work, but I think those are things that we'll continue to get to cultivate and study and learn about, because they're all things that God, God created in this world. So, um, your work today, your your cultivation of the earth today, your partnering with God in, in redemptive work here, um, matters, because it's going to be continued, completed, um, in the new heavens and the new earth, so um, I, I, yeah, come to fruition, but also not, because, like, we can just keep going with that stuff. Um, Nathan and I were thinking about, like, what will, like, interspace exploration, or, like, space exploration look like, in, like, the new heavens and the new earth? Like, will we go to, like, even greater places in the universe? I don't know. Um, but it's exciting to think about, um, even though the main thing about this is that, you know, we're with God. I also think it's really interesting in verse 25 and 26. It says the glory and honor of the nations will be a part of this new world. So this is like the diversity of cultures, right, will be represented. Um, it's not just one. It's not an assimilation to anything. So like the Guatemalan culture, Korean, Chinese, Lebanese, right, Pennsylvanian, <laughs> uh, Gu- Guam, Guamies? Tomorrow. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not educated, um, <laughs> Bostonian, <laughs> right? All of these beautiful, the beautiful things about the world's diversity won't be lost, but it will be celebrated. And so that, that's going to be part of our purpose, to celebrate the way that the image of God is seen in all of us. But the main thing, the main thing um, is here in verse 3 and 4. The throne of the God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, Right? So we end where we began with the presence of God. That's our greatest purpose from when we were created to when each of us were born to when we die to when we have this perfect life in eternity with Jesus is to worship God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's actually what we were made for, um, to be happy and to be holy (laughs) with our good God, to enjoy the world he has given us, to never want to be anywhere else but enjoying and praising him together, together, forever. It's hard to, like, wrap our minds around that, um, because we are so half-hearted creatures, as C.S. Lewis says. Um, But we'll be wholehearted in our worship. Um, How much joy do you think you could have if you could finally fulfill the ultimate purpose you've been made for? Like, a lot of joy. Here's my second C.S. Lewis reference. Um... So he wrote seven books, the Narnia books. You guys have probably heard of them. Um, Series about children, travel to a magical land, end up fighting evil. It kind of turns out to be a really beautiful picture of the story of scripture, of the real story, right? The true myth that we've been talking about. Um, Creation, fall, redemption, restoration, it's all there in the books. And so the last book talks about this idea of coming home. And here's the last paragraph of the last book. They've left their old Narnia and old, old world behind have entered Aslan's country. It says, the term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. I like that idea of, as good as this world is, it's just the cover page. We got a whole book going. When God takes us home, we won't be disappointed, we won't be bored. It's chapter one, right, of the new adventures um, to discover together. So God's presence, place, and purpose have always been his promises to his people. They still are. And he's not waiting until this new heavens and new earth to be with us or to give us purpose or to reign on earth, right? We have this foreshadowing. We have a taste of all those promises now. Um, So I hope that we can encourage each other in hoping in the midst of our sin and struggle today, knowing that we have that part of that now and the rest is coming. So... The promise of scripture is that Jesus is making all things new. Everything sad is going to become untrue. Um, we're returning to the garden, but it's Eden 2.0. It's uninterrupted by sin, right? It's the way, the trajectory of history, and even better than we can imagine. So we know this is true because Jesus rose from the dead, right? So when he died and rose again, that was like the down payment of, of this good, exciting promise to come true. Can you imagine, like, I don't know, like waking up from the faded, veiled glory of this world to the real stuff, the real thing, Um, to your Heavenly Father, to Christ, your older brother, to your whole family of sanctified believers ready to feast with you in celebration? Um, I don't know. I don't have a big enough imagination for that sometimes, but it is literally the happily ever after that God has promised us. So, um, yeah, let's. Pray for the imagination and faith to believe that um, and to allow it to change us. Let me pray, and then we will sing our last song.